Well, hello, hockey fans, and welcome along once again to the Bees Radio Network podcast, episode number 12. A dozen of delight for all of you who've joined us on the Patreon account. We really do appreciate all your support as ever, and this is our gift to you because joining me once again, Mark Denham. Mark, how are we today? That's certainly more of a Halloween from last week gift than a Christmas from next month gift, isn't it? Me joining in. I don't know about that. There's some people who would like the idea of you wrapped up under a tree. And uh, what, what would you, what would you, would you like a bow around you? Or do you feel just straight wrapping paper is the way to go for it? Do you know what? Like, just stick me in one of those gift bags and stick a bow on the handles. That'll do. It's so great. The, the invention of the gift bag. I mean, this is completely I a tangent can't wrap, here. so the gift bag is essential <laughs> exactly. for me. I can remember wrapping presents for like my mum and dad as a child, and I would use reams of rail. It'd be like, I'd be buying my mother a lot. Well, I'd say I, but my father would be buying the earrings and giving them to me and say, go on, son, give these to your mum. And I'd, you, but you have to wrap it yourself. And I just couldn't do it. Then all of a sudden I turned like 18. It's like, here's gift bags. It's like, this is unfair. Kids do not know the struggle. It's like when you used to have to... Did you ever have to wrap your school books? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, you had to wrap your school books, didn't you? I'll be honest, right? When it came to school book wrapping, mum, could you do this, please? Because I couldn't do it. I cannot wrap to save my life, whether it's a present. You know, if I wrap a present, it just looks like I put the wrapping paper down through the present at it and then stuck some tape on it. Same with the school books. I couldn't. <laughs> Couldn't wrap the school book, so I'd ask my mum, Mum, can you um can you wrap this school book? You know, that's another thing kids of today don't have to do, do they? No, I had a there was only one teacher I ever had to wrap my books for. Uh it was my religious studies teacher, Mrs. Venning. And uh it was always committed she'd always say you need to wrap your books and she was a very stern teacher. Lovely lady, but a very stern teacher who scared you as a year seven. One of those real good teachers. Uh and yeah, you had to and I was absolutely petrified about wrapping this book for her. And, oh, it was a, it was a terrible disgrace. And, but in the end, you know, something that, something that kids don't have to worry about these days. Kids of today don't know how good they've they, got it. Exactly. Wrapping books and the all sorts. The youth of today. The youth of today. Well, the youth of today probably weren't too pleased uh, walking out of the John Knight Legisport Complex on Saturday night as the Bees fell to defeat against the Peterborough Phantoms by just a goal in another one of those very tense games that we've seen at the Hive this season. It's only really been one game where there's been a blowout there this season, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to rectify that this weekend. But it, it was one, of, again, Mark, unfortunately, had to work on Saturday, so missed out. But you were joining us on the stream. I noticed you dropping in to say hello. Well, not only that, but I did send you the interval music that you <laughs> lost as well, didn't I? We weren't, we weren't going to mention that, Mark. We were going to keep that very quiet and just gloss over the fact okay. that a very important piece of the Bees Radio Network experience on a game night <laughs> disappeared at quite a pivotal moment as well, as it turned it out. It was indeed be, a very <laughs> pivotal moment, wasn't it? But we got there, though. Well, actually, when I say we, you got there really, because I are, left you on your own, didn't I, on a pivotal week? <laughs> yeah, a pivotal week of action. And yeah, I mean, obviously, Peterborough are a very good team. Uh, I think they've got a you, you don't go so close last season to winning the league title and picking up so many trophies and then coming back the next year with exactly the same squad, your younger players getting a little more experience, maybe a little more better and be a failure. And I think we've seen that from this Peterborough team this year. They sit about third in the table at the moment. It's maybe not been the perfect start to the season that Slava Kulikov would have wanted with defeats against certain teams that probably last season they would have beaten. 
But I think, again, you know what Peterborough can do. You know what Kudakov teams can do. They can come into your rink. They can set up their game plan. You have two options. You either fall into the game plan and they make mince meat of you, or you, or you, or you force them to change up. And I think we did quite a good job of that. I wouldn't say it was our best performance of the season. I wouldn't say it was our most outstanding performance of the season by any stretch of the imagination. I think there would be a lot that the players would have taken away from that game and, and also from Sunday night as well. And I think we saw some of that maybe in Sunday's game. But the the difference is last year in that game against Peterborough, you could have easily seen the team get stretched away, get run out to a five-goal deficit, a four-goal deficit like we saw in the playoff final. This year, the, the, the game is going to be tighter. We do not allow as many of the, the, the freedom that we allowed on teams last season. Is that creating perfect hockey uh, for someone maybe coming in to watch the most entertaining game on earth? Probably not. But I'm going to be honest with you. I'd rather be in the battling and trying to get the two points rather than being 4-0 down after five minutes and thinking, well, maybe we might nick one back here. Well, we're, um, we're in a transition period, though, aren't we? You know, we've never made a secret of this. We are in a a transition period, and Doug Shepard is a highly successful coach. You only need to look. 2012 playoffs in Slough, then six trophies in six years in Basingstoke. You don't all of a sudden overnight become a bad coach, but we're in a transition here. Uh, It's a different league structure this year, and Doug is, you know, making changes to the team as well over the last couple of years, and all of this will come together. But what we know is that Doug Shepard coaches winning teams. Now, yeah, we're not seeing that yet this year, but we're in a transition phase with this new league and obviously Doug coming in uh, at the start of last season. And we put together a good season last season. Let's be honest, first time at uh, Coventry in over a decade. So a great season last season. And the transition continues. We're playing the Doug Shepard kind of style of hockey now and guys are getting used to it that haven't played that style before we're in a transition and I think you know maybe this is not well no actually there's no maybe about it this has not been the best start of the season ever that you know you could have had but when you think you know if we give these players their chance now maybe we're not going to go on and win the league this year maybe not but if you give them their chance now in a year this time next year, you'll be thinking, wow, look at this team, like Doug Shepard hockey, bang, 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 win, 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 win. And as yeah, you that... said before we started this podcast, <laughs> I've stolen you your line. <laughs> as you said before Here he we is, started. Sits there and says, sits there and was going to now claim that this is his no, line. No, I go ahead, it. I did go say, on, on. as you said. <laughs> but all right, as Graham Bell said, <laughs> you know, the last four games could so easily have gone the other way. And that's right. how close this is to being a successful hockey team. Doug Shepard is a good coach. And anyone that says against, I would argue with them until both of us were blue in the face because I've known Doug a long time. I've watched his results for a long time. Doug Shepard is a good coach. We have been one goal away from being on, as you said, I'll just emphasize that, from being on a four-game winning streak, one goal each night. And that's a team that is learning to play the style of hockey, the systems, the tactics and that, that have made Doug Shepard a very, very successful and also a very sought after coach as well. You know, so yes, I can see why fans are a little bit frustrated saying, well, you know, that's three in a row that we've lost. Who cares? Look at the bigger picture here. 
Look at the bigger picture. You know, if you go back three, two, three, four, five years in Bracknell, every team went to the hive knowing if we just turn up, those two points are ours. And, you know, you can come to the hive now and all right, we've lost the last three, but nobody's coming into the hive or nobody's welcoming Bracknell to their rink thinking, well, that's two points we've earned tonight. Yeah, and as I say, like, as you've rightly pointed out, it could easily be a four-game win streak here. Um, it, it, little things go either way. It's a bounce, it's a bobble, it's a shot from a point that doesn't take a tip off a player when the netminder's playing for the tip, as he's probably as has happened for the rest of the game, and it slips in. It can be as simple as an icing call not being blown up for when it should have been blown up for, and as a result, what should have been maybe one more opportunity and a chance to equalise falls out the other way. I'm pragmatic about these things as well. Like you've got to be a little bit realistic and, and a little bit on the side of, okay, when would you rather have this luck in inverted commas? Would you rather have this luck when it is where we are in the season right now, where sure there's ramifications for the cup. It's not ideal for the early positioning in the table. Or would you rather maybe have this luck and these one game, one goal defeat, sorry, turn into one goal victories when we're rolling around to April, when we're rolling around to March, when we're rolling into the playoffs and all of a sudden, hey, we're back at Coventry again because we've the, the bounces have gone our way through our hard work, through our endeavour. I would rather have the luck then and we maybe be looking at playoff success rather than maybe now. And yeah, we might get it now, but then you don't get it in April. Like it's it, You can be pragmatic about this. And I, I, I'm very much on that front, as, you, as you've said there. Like it's... I feel it could it could easily be a four four game victory wow. a four game win streak and we and we'd not be really talking about anything else than other than the fact hey good job it's four games yeah. we just have to look forward to the next game we have to look forward to the next opportunity the other thing in terms of this luck is we're not just talking about a bounce or a missed tip in front here we're talking about also losing Robin Kovar in pre season losing James Galazzi in pre season that is. Very, very bad luck. We're a two-import league and we lose one of them in pre-season. James Galazzi is a real energy player in the team and we lose him in the very first game. And then you add into that the luck of those like, you know, missed deflections or perhaps deflections just wide or the, the little bounces that don't fall or perhaps fall for the opposition in your own defensive end. When you add all that together, it's not been a lucky start to the season. And I'm not making excuses. I'm not someone that makes excuses. Um, You know, if any team I've ever worked for has played poorly, I will put my hands up and say, yeah, do you know what? We played poorly. We deserve to get beaten. I'm not someone that'll make excuses. But it is a fact, though. We went a long time without Kovar. We went even longer without James Galazzi. And they are two big players in this roster. You know, one of well, 50% of your import strength missing. One of your big energy players, a real leader on the ice as well, missing. And that all adds in as well to those little bounces and the deflections and that. And it's fair to say that we have had an unlucky start to the season. If you work on yin and yang, that luck's got to turn at some point in time. And maybe that'll be the one that turns towards the back end of the season where you're thinking, right, okay, where are we going to finish? Who are we going to get in the playoffs? You know, and you maybe get a lucky bounce and gets you through to the next round of the playoffs. Yep. We've had our bad luck. Surely there must be some good luck around the corner. And maybe it's little things, as you've rightly pointed out there, like James Glatzi making his return. He was back on the ice 
two weeks ago, taking part in warm-up, but didn't suit up. Uh, just getting himself back in the swing of things. And now here we are. We're, we're talking about James Galazzi being back in the squad, bringing his energy to the side, bringing his presence to the bench as well, and bringing his presence to the opposition. And I think we saw glimmers of that on Saturday. By no means is, is James, and I think even he would say, is, is, he, is he fully back up to speed? No, it takes a little bit of time to shake off the rustiness. It takes a little bit of time to get back into full glow. But you saw... What I like about James is his ability to just simplify the game at times. It, that comes with experience. It's just the ability to chip a puck out the zone or, you know what, I'm, I'm coming over the red line. I haven't got an option inside for the pass. I haven't got an option outside for the pass. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to dump the puck in and chase it. And it's sometimes just those little bit of sim- just simplifying the play makes all the difference rather than maybe trying to come up with too much. Maybe, okay, I'm coming in over the red line. Okay, nothing there. So I'm going to turn back in. Oh, I've turned the puck over in center ice, and the opposition's now got an op- a chance to rush in on the counter attack. Like I just think sometimes just doing the simple things, and that will rub off on the other guys around. That will rub off on the other players. Not every time you come out on a break off uh, a breakout, do you have to make a play? Sometimes you can just do the simple thing of I'm going to send this puck over the opposite side of the ice, and we're just going to chase it in and put them on put the opposition on the pressure on the back check. And it can be as simple as that. And that's what I really like about James's play. And obviously, that energy and the physical presence he can bring. So for example, he picks up a two-minute kneeing penalty on Saturday. That, uh, sorry, on Sunday in, in Romford. But Raiders player, because it's James who has thrown this, this uh, incident, he hops off the bench and we get a 10-minute incitement penalty against one of their major players. Like, it works both ways. It's, it's a very unique uh, thing. And, and just having that presence back is going to pick up guys around him pick up players around him. And I do think that is that, a t- is that maybe the first sign of the good luck changing? Well, I hope so. I mean, for James's sake also, not just for the B's sake. I know we are the B's radio network and not the James Galazzi radio network, but this is James's testimonial season of which he's already missed two and a half months. Now, full credit to him. He could have missed a lot longer than that. He's worked so hard to get back and get back on the ice. And this could be the start of the turn because. You know, I don't think James is going to go on and have a 100-point season, and I mean that with no disrespect, but what he's going to do is worth more than that because he is going to chip in with the points. He'll up the physicality, and he will up the energy level as well. James is someone that leads by his own hard-working example. He works his... Oh, careful what I say here, but he works himself to the bone. His proverbial bag. Yes, yeah, that's it, yeah. He works his proverbial bag off. I'm just stealing all your phrases now tonight, aren't I? But he does. You know, he puts in 110% effort in training and he puts in even more than that every game and he inspires others by the way he plays the game. And as you say, some of that experience he has of like, all right, now I haven't really got an option, so I'll just do this instead. It's a simple game of hockey that James plays. He's not someone that's ever going to overcomplicate the game and get lost in his own complications. All of that back on the ice for the bees can only be a good thing. Yeah, precisely. And it's funny, the return of Galazzi to the ice, I call him Galazzi or James. It's, it's, I'm never sure whether to call players by their first names or their surnames. Both Mr. Galazzi, the return of Mr. Galazzi to the ice. I'm just imagining uh, next week's uh, podcast intro. It's Bell and Denham here. Hello. Bell and, 
Bell and Denham sounds like the worst firm of solicitors you've ever met in your life. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that. Do not trust us to do anything like a house sale or sort out any divorces or anything like that. Bell and Denham are not your people for that. (laughs) It's either that or a funeral parlour. I can't quite work out which one we are. Well, I'm certainly not serious enough for the latter. (laughs) Maybe that, that. Some people don't like that. But anyway, let's just roll on from that quickly. But the return of Galaxy to the Ice has cause some conversation which i think is a, is is an interesting one for us I don't know to try if and it's break the caused the conversation i think the conversation has been going on for a little while but it's yes. certainly reignited the conversation hasn't it it's fueled the flames of the conversation and not yes. the guildford flames no. uh, it is fueled the flames of the conversation around this 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 conversation about what has happened to the lines you used to get in ice hockey you used to get a com- you, for instance, you wouldn't just have a James Galazzi player on your line. You would have three of them on a line, and they would buzz about the ice, they would battle about the ice, and they would do it in a variety of different styles. And you only have to roll the clock back maybe five, six, seven years, and you can come up with a whole list of player names that were like these guys. For example, Chris Wiggins, Scott Spearing. We'll put James Galazzi in this conversation. Michael, Michael Wales, Grant McPherson, Matt Towalski. Yeah, uh, you even look up at you look up at the the Sheffield lines and the old Manchester lines. Guys like Ben Wood, remember Big Ben Wood who used to mm. just chip in a puck and chase you into the corner. Yeah. And you've still got Andrew Sharp. The, oh, Andrew Sharp throwing that one in there. Could, but it's worth putting these names in. Andre yeah. Payette, for example, yeah. another guy to think about. And this is the thing you used to have across the league. We've just sat there and we've been able to name ten players like it. Mm. Look at the league today, and look at what we have now. I'm getting, I can name a couple who are like it. James Galazzi, I think, is definitely like it. Ryan Jack Watt. Flit, he's not in this league anymore. Uh, no, he's he, not, he, is he, actually? That's exactly. very true. Jack Flynn at the Raiders, I think, is very much yeah. like it as well. Just a, a very gritty player. And then the We're numbers. We're struggling now, aren't we? The numbers where, obviously, Grant McPherson is still playing in this league. Yeah. So we have to give Grant his honorary mention in this one. But it's just th- those players just aren't in the game. And it's not the case of every team's got this line or every team's got this combination. But We've it's the sat- way the game has evolved. Though, Precisely. The way the game has evolved. I mean, I, I sat and thought about this the other day. And if you remember back to the introduction of zero tolerance, that was kind of the start of the end of that style of hockey. And different referees had different interpretations of zero tolerance, and some were more lenient than others. Can I quickly, it, can I quickly give my on. zero tolerance story? Sorry. The first ever it's a great one. First ever game I watched with the zero tolerance rules here in the UK was at the Bracknell Ice Rink. It's when the Bees played the Panthers in a preseason friendly. The Bees were in the EPL at the time. It was Jason Rushton's first couple of games in the EPL, if you remember back that far. Uh, and for the opposition, I think it was Mike Ellis's first year in charge of Nottingham. So he had the likes of Ryan Schmier and such like. Uh, Joy Totman, as she was back then, was the referee of the game. It faced off at half six. And I seem to remember leaving the car park at Bracknell Ice Rink at about 10 o'clock. Ooh. Because it was, I seem to remember there was one fight in the game. But I still think there was nearly, it was between 70 to 90 minutes worth of penalty. Yeah. Because basically every slash, there's a penalty. Every hook there's a penalty. Mm. And we all remember the very early days of zero tolerance and the dark days, but it was needed because I think as you're about to allude to, 
it changed the game for the better. Yeah, I mean, I I remember some horrendous games with zero tolerance where you literally, like me as a game DJ, I'd literally have just turned off the music and then the whistle went. Oh, for heaven's sake, what now? And, you know, I think it did change the game a lot and it took a few years to adapt to. But once zero tolerance came in, it kind of did limit the roles of guys like Andre Payet uh, yeah. and, and guys like that. What I will say is I think we saw both at Slough and at Basingstoke a slightly different Michael Wales. We saw a full-dimensional Michael Wales compared to the instigator, shall we say, that the role he played <laughs> in Milton Keynes. You know, And yeah. I'm not saying that he was just an instigator because he was happy to drop and go. Yeah. And it didn't matter who it was, he would drop and go if they were ready to go. But we saw with Michael Wales, perhaps he reinvented himself, didn't he, in Slough yes. and in Basingstoke. And he showed a full dimension to his game where, you know, hey, look, yeah, I can mix it up, but I can play too. But yeah. the other guys that didn't have that in their game, they've kind of disappeared. And I've seen on Facebook this week a, a call for a line of spearing Wiggins and Galazzi to be out on the ice. And from my point of view, I think if you were to talk Scott Spearing out of retirement, he's only been gone a few months. He could get himself back in shape. If you were to talk Chris Wiggins, he's been gone a little bit longer, may take him a little longer to get himself back in shape. But you put Wiggins, Galaxy and Spearing together, all in good shape. I'll bet you the way the rules are now, not all three of them would finish the game. One of them yeah, exactly. would be in the dressing room early because the lines have changed that much. And, yeah. you know, not the I lines, sorry, it, the rules have changed that much. Yeah, and even if you in are going to play that yeah. style, yeah. You know, if you're going to play the style, we mentioned it a few weeks ago. You mentioned, didn't you, like, you know, this thing on Sky showing the greatest bits of the Elite League in 1998. And you were just sat there, couldn't do that now, couldn't do that now. And that's the same with not just those players, but all that sort of line. You know, you used to have a top line, a second line and a grind line, didn't you? Whereas now there's no room for that grind line. That third line has to be able to play the game of hockey as well now, because if you are just going to go out, you know, and bang around and, you know, grind out, you are going to fall foul because the the late hit penalty, for example, is a fraction of a second. It's yeah, not only a fraction ludicrous. of a second, it's a judgment call again by the official because you're thinking, okay, was that late? Could he have pulled out? Should he have pulled out? I'm going to blow for it. And it's a judgment call as well. And that has changed the game so much in that where that line could be used so effectively, even five years ago, you know, it could be used so effectively. If you matched it well, it was a yeah, great yeah, thing yeah. to have, a good great grind shutdown. line. Yeah. But now, if you were to put that out there, the other coach would just be laughing at you thinking, well, this isn't going to last long, is it? Yeah. Because of the way it's changed so much. Yeah, it's it's quite funny. I can remember saying to um, when I started uh, being given what's the word soapboxes to sort of make comments on, and some of the things you sort of say, and you look back on and go, "Oh, that's aged badly." One of the things I said to I was saying parents would turn around at like twenty eleven, twenty twelve, and go, "My kids in the under tens. What do you see as their future in the sport?" And I'd say, "I'll be honest with you. The best thing you can do with your kid if he's in the under tens now." is turn around to him and tell him to work hard every shift and grind every shift. Get the skills to play, but also just become a grinder because there's going to be a career for grind. There'll always be, there's always going to be a career for the most talented kid in the world. Don't doubt me on that. Yeah. But there's also always going to be a career for the British kid who just worked his proverbial bag off every night. 
and would be in the corners, would never come out of the corner without losing the puck. And if he did lose the puck, he made sure it was a real battle for you to take that puck off him. And I always, I always said, now those kids would now be under 18s, under 17s. And I now sit there and go, well, imagine if there's an under 18 kid who's done that, who basically, yep, they've got a bit of talent. They're not an ultimate goal scorer on their team, but what they've got is high energy, high battling pressure, uh, will grind, will battle, will will go into corners, will drop the gloves if they need to, and all this sort of thing. And I sit there and I go, is there still a career for that guy? Is there well, still, is there, st- by all means, there's always going to be a, a place for a hardworking player, but someone who, <laughs> someone who could, err on the line of the penalty very well. Um, I would say yes, uh, which is going to surprise you. I would say yes, there is. But what I'm thinking is, let's take, for example, James Galazzi. There is a role for James Galazzi to play. But what I think we have seen the end of is a grind line. So if you are someone that plays a good grinding game and can also play the game itself, then yeah, you know, if you are that 17-year-old kid now that took the advice of Graham Bell back in 2010, then there is, if you're good enough, there's still a role for you. But if you see yourself as being on a grind line, then I don't think any coach is going to put that out in 2019 because ultimately there's their discipline record to think of as well. Because if you put out a grind line and you get a game, you know, or a match penalty, that's points on the coach's record as well as the players. Then you've got players missing through suspension. Ultimately, because you're just playing this bang and crash grind hockey, the coach will end up with enough points that he'll get a suspension too. And it's just not going to work in 2019. Like, you know, I know it may very well put posteriors onto chairs, but it's not going to work in 2019. You know, if that's what supporters of not just the bees, but any club are crying out for is the return of the grind line, you know, and dropping the gloves every five minutes. That's going to harm your team more than it's going to benefit them because you'll be ending up with players missing, players suspended, ultimately the coach suspended. And how does that actually solve any queer, any question in hockey? How does that improve hockey? with more players suspended, playing a style that is now, quite frankly, outdated. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a quick question here, because obviously you were involved with hockey uh, from a, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for, from a proper professional side a lot longer than I've been. Back in the old BNL days and back, yeah. in, the, 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 back in those misty-eyed days, did coaches get penalty points back then for ill-discipline? Do you know what? Back in those days, you could coach actually without, you know, like being license and everything it's so 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 different i mean the eiha like you know i well i don't want to say it but the eiha perhaps saw a money-making scheme oh yes make sure they've got this qualification etc etc but no back in the old days though i mean i'm just thinking now if i think back to 1998-99 when i was in slough we won the league the slough jets won the league in that year without losing a game on home ice all year And I think back to that team and I look at some of the players we had. We had Joe Stefan at his prime. We had this guy, Perry Pappas. Now, he was an absolute dream because he, the stick handling ability was amazing. The hands were amazing, but he was hard as nails too. And I'm thinking, do you know what? Like, if you could find a a player like Perry Pappas, now in this day and age with a two import league, you wouldn't want it to be your import. But if you could. Yeah then a player like that would be gold dust. But 
The issue is, if you were to find three players like Perry Pappas, who are all Brits, you couldn't put them all out on the same team because that grind line day is gone. You know, back in the day, coaches didn't really get suspended like they would do now. You know, like if, if a coach was to pick up however many penalty points it is, boom, they're done too for however many games. So yeah. coaches have to think not only about the strength of their on-ice team in that, you know, well, if I play this style of hockey, I'm going to be without at least one or two players every week because they'll be suspended. They have to also think about their own record as well. And let's not forget another thing here. It doesn't financially benefit the club no. because penalty <laughs> points come with fines, yeah. uh, which is not commonly known, but they do. Penalty points come with fines. So, yeah, you know what? You could. It's all well and good. And I mean this with no disrespect at all. It's all well and good fans saying, well, we preferred it more when Wiggins, Galazzi and Spearing went out and hit everyone and dropped the gloves every five minutes. And yeah, I'm sure that was entertaining to watch. I loved seeing, you know, guys square up to each other back in the day. I loved seeing the big crunching hits. But the days of those crunching hits being on the right side of the rules are gone. And yep. in this day and age, you're just going to end up hurting the club financially because they'll be fined for the suspensions. You'll hurt the team strength because players will be suspended. And ultimately, the coach could also be suspended. The days, sadly, for fans of the Bees, of the Steel Dogs and other teams that have played that physical style over the years, the days of that being your go-to bread and butter hockey are long, long gone. Yeah. And as you say, there are those who... For those who grew up, I say I was a Super League baby, I still look very moist-eyed at what the Super League was. Guys like Denis Chassé, PC Druin, etc., like uh, Shane McCosh, Dale Junkin, all those guys. Like You do get quite, you, you can get quite misty-eyed and go, oh, do you remember those days? Remember Christian Goslin just smashing through players for fun? Remember Paxton Schulte yeah. flying around? The, like, and you sit there and you go, <laughs> someone like Paxton, for instance, um, loved Paxton as a player. But I think even even the biggest Paxton fan can admit sometimes those hits may or may not have been led with the knee. <laughs> like we can hmm. be a little bit honest about this. He yeah. may or may not have led with the knee on some of those hits. It was well known, but it got waved off most of the time. I'm going to uh, ask I, you, go actually, on. were you in Bracknell or Basingstoke when Chris Crombie played for the Bison? I was in Bracknell when Chris you were in so Bracknell. I, I, okay. Yeah. So um, I only I only came into the Bison, uh, well, not to do the positive history of my life, but uh, I only yeah. came into the Bison at the turn of the 2009-2010 uh, season. Before yeah. that, before that was, uh, was now, spending my weekends at the Hive. Now, Chris Crombie is an absolutely awesome guy, he really is, uh, you know, and he was a great player. But I remember Chris Crombie played for Basingstoke yeah. and we had a guy called John Rempel who played for Slough. And these two absolutely went with each other. And I thought, this is awesome, you know. Like being the DJ as well, you can get hit me with your best shot on. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. But that's not something you would see now, is it? I mean, even in terms of fights, officials are more likely to get in and like try and diffuse the situation. Whereas yes. back in the day, two willing combatants, the linesman would let them go until one of them hit the ice and they yeah. were allowed to go. The linesman would stand back. The referee would just stand back and watch to know what penalties to assess. And two willing guys were allowed to go. Whereas in this day and age, you'll see if two guys even look at each other wrong, 
the linesmen are in between them immediately before anything's ever happened. And it's very rare yeah. in this day and age that you even see an actual full-blown glove drop battle. Yeah, and it's, it's also not one of the, the, as I like to call them, the stage fights, like a proper... Two guys have hit each other, all upset, gloves down, instead yeah. of some of this uh, where you see guys peel off the back from an incident and start giving it the old handshake in the middle of the yeah. ice. Like It's very rare you see a <sighs> battle in the corner, two big guys go up against each other, and, and, the, and the gloves just come off. Uh, it, 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 it is a very different game these days, and I'm not... Is it for better for worse? That's probably a conversation for a proper different day in terms of the skill. I think the game is more... Because you think, in amongst all we're talking about the big hits here, you also don't forget that throughout the 90s and the noughties, hockey was just a slasher-thon. Like, it was, how hard can you hit the other guy's wrists? How hard can you hit the other guy's wrists? How hard can you... That's gone from the game now, which is an absolute delight, because it's opened up... It also used to be, how many times did you see guys skate away, and straight away you'd see the hand come off the stick blade and just hold the guy. And you'd Mm. you'd get a little bit of a grab and be allowed to hold for a little bit of time before the holding call would come in. That's all disappeared now. The game has the potential to be more skillful now. Yeah. I think, and it would have been interesting. And I think it's one of those things as well. Like players have had to adjust how they've been trained. Um, I, I'm sure there are those players that grew up as players in the mid noughties would have been taught. Right, you need to slash hack, whack, 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 slash, slash. Well, let's take Joe whack. Baird for example. Joe Baird's at the yeah. veteran end of his career now, isn't he? And the game yeah. that Joe Baird came into as a young, talented player is not the same game that Joe Baird is playing now. And if you look no. at the evolution of Joe Baird, he's still going because he has adapted. Yeah, he's so adapted I mean, his game and he's still going and he's still playing second-tier hockey in the UK, yeah. whereas a lot of other players may have fallen by the wayside because they didn't either have the skill or inclination to adapt their game. Yeah, it's very true. Even someone like Neil Lydiard as well. Like yeah. the, two of the two of them are intrinsically linked. Uh, but it's very true. Like th- Those both of them were able to evolve their game, were able to change with the, the changing face of the game. Like Joey was always an outstanding skater. That, that was one of Joey's big things was he always had outstanding skating ability and he also always had, from a very young age, good positional sense to know, right, this is where I need to go. This is where I need to be. And it, it, those things are always going to have a part in the game. But as you say, when those guys were younger, certainly Neil was hacky and wacky and slashy and holdy. But he's had to change his game as he's got older to develop into a more rounded, stay-at-home D-man who who isn't going to pick up as many penalties. Sure, he's probably uh, Neil's probably picking up more penalties for hooking these days, where the guy's got round him and he's just yeah. got to get the stick on him to keep up by all means. But that's 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 due to age. That's not due to the fact that he is still getting called for the mid nineties penalties, as we can call them. And, mm. and while we're getting very uh, well, this is going to be our final talking point before we look forward to this weekend's game, but. One of the other discussion points that's very quickly coming up around the league is an issue that really did blight the game in the 90s and the noughties over here, which is the dual nationals issue. And it's been a, a little bit incoming. For those of you who remember the old days of the 90s when the GB ice hockey team was basically Team Canada Mark II uh, because all the Canadian players were able to uh, uh, were finding grandparents from very long lost things and been able to get stamps in their passport. And guys were getting... Oh, there was a ludicrous year I can remember in the BHL where... Guys were getting reclassified mid-season, so a guy would start the year as an import, and then after yeah. a couple of after a couple of months, all of a sudden became a dual national player. As a result, you could go out and sign another import player. That all disappeared for quite a few years. I think it's fair to say, with the, the EPL moving 
to this development league, which instantly cut down on the work permits. So if guys were coming in from Canada or America, they had to have EU passports. Uh, so that hence, great ones like Joe Rand's got an Estonian passport. So that's why Joe Rand was able to play in these leagues. Like it's all those things that just build up, uh, and, and it, it was stable for years. And then this season, the edicts come down. Dual national players are back. So if you've played in this country for two years and you have a British stamp in your passport, you are or a British passport, you are no longer considered an import player. You are now a British, the equivalent of a British trained player. Mm. So you well, are. You the are rules seen- were much simpler, weren't they? Like, you yes. know, you go back a couple of years. Have you played two years within the IHA junior development system? That was the, the qualification a couple of years ago. And then it doesn't matter if you have a British passport or not, or an entitlement to a British passport or not. Didn't matter because you were still a non-EIHA trained player to give them their proper titles now. Yeah. Whereas in this day and age, it's are you eligible to hold a British passport and do you? And have you played the game long enough that you're entitled to be reclassified? Yeah. And, and the- you know, I, I mean, I, I saw it happen. I was around um, when it happened, certainly in the, uh, in the BNL. I mean, if you think Gary Stephan yeah. was, uh, <laughs> he was a non-import. He yeah. was a non-import. He did play for Team GB. Um, but then, I mean, obviously one that was trapped both ways by it, Steve Moria went yes. on to play for Team GB, didn't he? He was a Team GB captain. Captain, yeah. Uh, a fact of which he is very, very proud. And the one thing I will say about Steve Moria is, over the course of hockey, there have been many, many players that have come, made their quick buck and gone. If you look at Gary Stephan, came to the UK in 1990. In 2019, he still leaves, uh, lives local to the team that he played for and he calls the UK his home. Yeah, Steve Morrier is the same. He still lives in the UK. He has a family here in the UK. And yeah, he played for Team GB. But then, obviously, with the advent of the EIH, the non-EIHA trained player, Mo yeah. had to go back to playing as an import again yeah. in a four-import league because that's what it was at the time. But he then couldn't satisfy that qualification of two years within the IHA junior development system. So he instantly became an import. Obviously, if he was still playing now, because he's probably only about 36, if you ask him now. Oh, yeah, the calendar says was, about 36, yeah. yeah. If he was still playing now, he'd obviously be one of these reclassified players. Yeah, and and it works both ways, doesn't it? Like, there are players who have come into, like, Tom Tom Druckis, for example, is a British-trained player. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind. And those people yeah. who get who get confused about this idea of Ruckus being a non-import player, being a, an import player, it's not. Well, Vanya Brit- Antonov. Vanya Antonov, great example as well. It's the likes of Max Brabeer <laughs> that sort of sit well, there and yeah. turn your head a little bit and you go, Max Brabeer, well-known import for years with Cardiff, with Swindon, former Israel international, uh, is now considered a non-import player because of the rulings. And you do sit there and you scratch your heads and you go, that doesn't seem right. And we're even going to get to a point uh, even more soon with these guys. Once they get there, done their two years over here, and, and if they've got their stamp, you might see players begin to drop out of the elite league to, and, and in the elite league even reclassify themselves as non-import players because they're going to get the opportunity to. Well, yeah, I mean, as you said, rules are changing on imports in the Elite League as well, aren't they? So if you can get to play as a British player, then you're going to prolong your career. So it is going to happen, isn't it? Like these new rules are going to be taken advantage of. Now, obviously, 
Uh, I come from a radio background. The general election has started today, the campaigning, and you can't discuss it on the radio. But what I will say is the general election <laughs> has started because we're not on the radio. We're doing a podcast. So exactly, I can say you're this. fine. You can the say The general this. election campaigning has started today, and there are many possible outcomes in terms of Brexit. What we don't know here, as we are recording this on the 6th of November, what we don't know is A, who's going to win the general election, and B, what that will mean for Brexit. And C, no matter who gets A and B, we still don't know what this is going to mean for the future of yep. imports in this country. Because obviously, if we have a complete clean break from the EU, then anyone coming from the EU will need a work permit. We are a, you know, the way things work, we don't have work permit imports in this league. We're going to have to change the rules and that's going to change things again. So at the moment, you've got some teams are benefiting from this better than others. You've got these players who, as you say, well-known, well-talked about, highly respected imports who all of a sudden aren't. Some teams have benefited very, very well from that. There's one that plays yeah. in red and white that's yeah. uh, benefited very well from and, that. And, but- and, to, and to be clear on it from my point of view, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and throw my arms up. I, is, have Swindon been smart to take advantage of it? Of course they have. Blinking lootly. And any club that sits there and goes, oh, it's very unfair. If you could do exactly the same, you would do exactly the same. We would all do exactly the same. We would all be trying to, you would all be hoping your team would be going out and trying to sign the best dual national player that you can possibly sign. Swindon are the one who have got their heads around at early doors. Even Telford, Jason Silverthorne these days, is now a non-import player. Great from Telford because it means, okay, they've got Dominic Florian. But if they wanted to go out and pick someone else up for the end of the season, they could go and do that. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, I guess, you know, teams that were smartest and quickest off the block on this, you know. Yeah. Uh, potentially, Max Babria was available to sign. Did any other team sign him? No, Swindon did. Jason Silverthorne, I mean, he's been at Telford a long time now, you know, whether you yeah. could have coaxed him away or not. Same with Babria at Swindon. Whether you could have coaxed them away or not, no. But, you know, I mean, I remember, uh, just changing the subject slightly, when import goalies became yes. the norm in the EPL and everyone was saying, well, it's ruining British goalies. No, it's not. Because in a situation like that, if you could have a British goalie that could play to that standard, of course you'd have them. And it's yep. the same here. If you can have an extra player on your roster who plays an import standard hockey but isn't an import, of course you'll have him. I mean, I think back to Slough and Slava Kulikov, who was not an import. Um, you know, but at his prime, he was in terms yeah, of the exactly. quality he brought to the game. He was, but he was never, ever an import. Wasn't reclassified. He just wasn't an import. No. Whereas now you've got players who are reclassified and someone like Max Brebert is bringing import skill and import quality and import experience, import work ethic to the Wildcats as a British player. Why would you yeah. say no to that if you can make it happen? Every coach is going to say, do you know what? I'd like my own Max Pabrea. Exactly, exactly. And is it going to be a problem that's going to be overcome? Maybe the, the dual impact, pro- uh, the dual nationality problems actually might help with the Brexit scenario. Um, as I say, the general election has started. We, don't, we, we can talk about it on the podcast. But I think most people come here as a little bit of break from the uh, insanity that is our, uh, <laughs> our national politics at the moment. So let's yeah. let's look forward to our weekend, shall we? Let's look forward to what we've got coming up. So on uh, well, Saturday, Saturday, well, you're saying, yeah. well, why are you welling me? 
Well, Why you know, are you running? I, I was going to cut out Saturday first and let you come back to that because I was going to say, here we are discussing imports and dual nationals and the Bison may still be without both. But should we talk about Saturday first before let's, I jump the gun? Let's talk about Saturday first. because It on, makes sense, doesn't it? Because on Saturday, there is a New Zealander playing for the... Uh, playing for the Milton Keynes Lightning. And he is from the UK. It is, of course, Liam Stewart. He'll be making yeah. his debut for the Milton Keynes Lightning. He is a non-import player in the uh, in the, uh, in the uh, NIHL as well. So that'll be an interesting challenge. Obviously, the games against Milton Keynes have been very tight so far this season. And then it's the big one on Sunday. The Bison come to town. Mm. Now, they came to town last time without Richard Bordowski. And then Michael Kleiner has also picked up an injury in the, the Wildcats game. And they played last weekend with both imports not icing. So, you know, it's this is a great weekend, I think, because the games between the Lightning have been very close and they have just added Liam Stewart to their roster. You know, if you are going to Planet Ice Milton Keynes on Saturday night, that you are going to get to see a good show and it's as we've said before, you're never going to walk into a game in this league this season and say, we're going to win or we're going to lose. N- neither team, neither sets of fans are going to walk in there thinking, I'm going to leave happy or I'm going to leave disappointed. What they are going to do is they're going to leave having seen a good game and inevitably half of the fans will leave thinking, oh, well. And the other half will be like, yes. On Saturday night, I think it's going to be a great close game on, uh, you know, and there's going to be the test, of course, Adam Goss, the former Milton Keynes backup. I know the team that he will be facing are very different to the team that he lined up with last year because obviously you couldn't bring all those imports down. But there's a lot of people around Milton Keynes that will know Adam, you know, and this, that and the other. And then on Sunday, it's a game that wasn't very close (laughs) last time. You know, we can't gloss over that. It happened. We can't gloss over that. But I think this is a bit a good time for the bees to go out and say, stuff what happened last time. We're not going to let it affect us this time. We're going into this with a clean slate. We will respect our opposition. We will not fear our opposition. And we will do our best to get the two points this time for ourselves. Precisely. You could say that some guys have all the luck this weekend, hopefully. Yes. Our guys. Here he's off again. Yeah. No, we're going to stay away from them. You could just say, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a fascinating weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. As, as I continue to do so each and every weekend, and uh, we're rolling in towards the Christmas period, the crowds usually begin to build up a little bit. The first couple of months of the season are always a little bit of a bubble time. You're now moving into it. It's getting cold. I can feel it getting cold in my bones when I wake up in the morning, especially when you're like Mark and you have no heating in your house because well, yeah, they no decide to have a power cut. Night. Yeah, no, there was a power cut last night. The power didn't come on until... Half three in the morning, I got notified, by which time I was obviously asleep, knowing that I had to get up at 5.30. When I did get up at 5.30, the heating wasn't on because I wasn't up at 3.30 to reset the timer. (laughs) So I got up into a freezing cold house with no hot water either. I wasn't very happy about that. But yeah, it did make me think it is hockey season weather. Yeah, exactly. So we're at that time where the crowds are beginning to bubble in. So let's pack this away for this week. It's always great to have a chat. But Mark, how can the fans stay up to date with all the latest to do with the TSI World Bracknell Beats. Well, if you are a social media fan, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Both of those are Bees Ice Hockey. You can find us on Instagram, The Bracknell Bees. Of course, our website, bracknellbees.com, has all the information. And it's also where you can listen to Bees Radio Network live on Sunday night as well. 
If you would like tickets, now it's important to say if you're yes. listening to this and you are a Bison fan, or if you know a Bison fan, book for Block 2 this weekend for the uh, away tickets this Sunday. If yep. you are a home or an away fan, you can get your tickets on 01344 789 And as I say, if you are an away fan, then you want to book for Block 2. If you're a home fan, don't book for Book 2, uh, or even block for Book 2. Don't block there. Block somewhere <laughs> with the home fans. Make a lot of noise and let's see the hive on. Uh, let's see the hive on top form this Sunday, on and off the ice. It, indeed, five thirty face off on Sunday. It's going to be a good little game as ever. Mark, pleasure to have you alongside. Graham, it is always a pleasure. And to all of you who join us on the Patreon account, we really do appreciate your support as ever. Thank you very much indeed. And until next time, goodbye. Bees Radio Network.